Music. Reviews. Chat. Poems. Comedy. Writing. Interviews. ELFM. It's radio for so much more. Love the nouns, love the pronouns, impersonal and personal. Love the words from ELFM. So you're listening to Love the Words here on East Leeds FM from Studio One at Chapel FM Art Centre. So today we're going to be talking to two Leeds poets, local, grown, in fact, one of them very local. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's going to be James Lewis Moran, who is a Seacroft poet. Hi, James. Hello again. <laughs> James is no stranger to uh, Chapel FM or to Love the Words. We've known each other for many years now. Yes. Uh, you were in the Associate Writers Young People's Writing Group, James. I was. Uh, it was a great experience, and I highly recommend it for other local writers and young people. Now you're in the Chapel FM writing group, which mm. meets on a Wednesday, 1pm till 2.30pm, because you're too old to be a young person. It's it's not fair, is it? It's just not fair. <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to be talking about your new collection of poetry and reading from that, um, new collection called Sea Words, or Sea Words. We'll come to. We'll ask you. I'll ask you about the title in a minute. Um, but also, we're going to be talking to Dalton Harrison, who is who also has a new uh, collection of poetry out, um, the, uh, and he's going to be coming in a little later. He's he's at class at the moment. He's doing. He's at university, and he's uh, got a class till <clears throat> just before four. So he'll be rolling up in a bit. We're going to be hearing some music selected by the two poets. But also at the very end, we're going to be hearing a feature about the world reimagined, a fascinating exhibition currently in Leeds until the end of the month uh, with participation of young people across schools in Leeds making these extraordinary globes as well as established artists um, creating these globes of a bigger size that are all around Leeds. And it's basically a fantastic project that explores the history of Africa particularly and transatlantic slave trade. So we'll come to that at the end of the programme. First of all, James, uh, how you do? How are you doing today? I'm doing very good. I've had a productive morning, went out shopping, bought too much, <laughs> and, and my wallet is angry at me. But uh, no, I found some new writing ideas, which is great, and uh, more on the way. Well, one of the things I always admire about you is your ability to strike a, an idea off any surface at all. Uh, so <laughs> uh, you'll have an idea any time of day, I think, or probably night as well. And too many ideas uh, too, at night. Well, it's never too many ideas. Better to have them. But yeah, I need to make, sleep. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the ideas can keep can keep you awake. Do you, when you have an idea at the night, do you do you write it down? Yeah, and then it becomes another idea and another idea, and before you know it, it's four a.m. and you're wondering. This is good and all, but I should have gone to sleep. And this probably explains why you've got already, at your yeah. uh, young age, got five collections of poetry, which is three more than I've ever managed at my ancient age. <laughs> so um, this, tell us about this new one. So this new one, um, 
I started it about five years ago. Uh, at the time, I was writing about um, the, the elements, you know, waters and ocean and, and the weather. And I was grouping those together, hence the sea words name, sea, ocean, water. Uh, and then I brought in stories about darkness and uh, then it kind of evolved into mental health and the abstract nature of that and how do you explain that um, it it was a difficult one to write I think because I, I realized so many um, explanations about mental health given to me weren't the best and likewise I had to rewrite a lot of it because if you are going to write about mental health you cannot mess it up <laughs> you've got to do it right Otherwise, uh, you can offend a lot of people. And uh, yeah, so it was quite, it was a difficult book to, to make, but it's, it's out now. When you say explanations of mental health, what do, what do you mean? Well, um, I guess people can only explain it to you with their own uh, experiences sometimes. And I realised that some of the healthcare professionals weren't exactly clued up. <laughs> And you know how it is. You, you can watch YouTube videos that will be more informative than, I don't know, five sessions with, with a doctor sometimes. Right, okay, yeah. So in terms of the, the themes of mental health in there, is do you write from your own experience? I'm assuming they... I mean, poetry is a very... I mean, it's often seen as, as a kind of confessional medium. It doesn't have to be, of course. You can yeah. be writing in other voices, but... I, I, I did try to do that in, in some parts. Um, I think... One of the problems when it comes to writing about mental health is you can go into this spiral of writing really negative, nihilistic, depressive stuff. And um, trying to find the hope in it was a bit difficult for me, mm. which is probably why this was um, somewhat difficult to rewrite. But I've, I've done what I can with it. But hopefully in the future I might revisit those themes. Fantastic. Let's hear a, let's hear a poem. So the first one is called... Creature in the wall. There's a creature in the wall. I can hear it most days as it scrambles, scuttles, tries to find an escape. Gained entry through the chimney behind my TV. Will it contribute to rent? Will it kill me in my sleep? Does it eat all those spiders that I'd rather not keep? Perhaps it likes the company as I talk to myself. There's a creature in the wall. It can be heard in each room. Perhaps I should release it. Will curiosity be my doom? Hmm. See, that's interesting, isn't it? I like the uh, yeah, the idea of it contributing to the rent. But um, yeah, I mean, it felt very much like a matter of mm. metaphor for for sort of being entrapped within one's yeah. own. Mind are we all a kind of are our minds creatures that are trapped within our bodies? Or... And, and that particular one, it came about because there there was literally a creature in the wall. Mm. <laughs> I could yeah. uh, I presume it was a pigeon, maybe, <laughs> but it was that whole thing of hearing that for days on end, mm. and then drawing parallels with mental health. You know what's behind the mask, yeah. and you know creature behind the wall, behind your eyes and your brain. Absolutely. It reminds me of a, a very disturbing film, actually, by Roman Polanski. Called, it's called Repulsion. Have you ever seen it? No. It's about a woman who's he's, she's in a flat by herself, and she's kind of cracking up. Mm. At one point, a, a kind of hand, you see the sort of hand coming, th not through the wall, but pressing against the wall by her bed. Mm. Which, well, she doesn't really see it, it's in her mind. But the idea of something being behind the wall, 
<clears throat> she's behind the wall, or part of herself is behind the wall. Mm. So, yeah, it's a very powerful image, yeah. So uh, it's interesting, isn't it, how it can start with something physical, like yep. a real pigeon or whatever it is behind the wall, <laughs> we don't want to inquire too closely, uh, and yet it, then it becomes, for me, something else when, mm. you've, when you've written it as a poem, yeah, and how poem, poetry, yeah, crea creates an image that... Well, uh, people will riff off. Make it visual. We're, we're, I'm thinking radio. Yeah, no, no, quite right. Yeah, you've learnt your lessons well over the years. <laughs> <laughs> radio being the most visual medium. Excellent. Great. Let's have another one. Okay. So the next one is called Nighttime Photography. A war memorial is shiny with reflections on its marble. An airplane flies noisily overhead, a thunderous engine. It zooms over the houses in a fiery blur of lights. Nearby, flowers are shuddering, facing another cold night. A photography student climbs aging university steps, the perfect shots within her sights. The end is painted on a cycle lane not far from here. I heard the last bus home, the distant rumble of wheels. I see daytime birds asleep, cosy in their nests. Hear golden owls as they watch me hidden. The guardians of wisdom, these are. My boots echo down this wide and empty campus. A street light flickers its soft amber red. The sky is waking up. The sun is waking up. The sky takes form. Great. The, the sky takes form. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, great stuff. I'll tell you what, because we can do this on radio, it'd be really nice to hear that again. OK. Nighttime photography. A war memorial is shiny with reflections on its marble. An airplane flies noisily overhead, a thunderous engine. It zooms over the houses in a fiery blur of lights. Nearby, flowers are shuddering, facing another cold night. A photography student climbs aging university steps, the perfect shots within her sights. The end is painted on a cycle lane not far from here. I heard the last bus home, the distant rumble of wheels. I see daytime birds asleep, cosy in their nests. Hear golden owls as they watch me, hidden. The guardians of wisdom, these are. My boots echo down this wide and empty campus. A street light flickers its soft amber red. The sun is waking up. The sky takes form. Mmm, yeah, that's lovely stuff. It's just that thing when when you're with a person and seeing all the different things at night through photography. Yeah, um, in a way you're seeing what she is about to photograph through her eyes, I suppose, being with somebody. Yeah. But it's really strange. There is literally um, a cycle lane that's got the end yeah. painted on yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in Leeds on one of the university campuses. And at the time, uh, that, that kind of felt... Very, um, very apt yes. for the relationship I was in. That's very interesting, isn't it? Because, uh, yeah, I uh, during the end of just getting to the, the the end of the Brexit process, I remember I occasionally go to Waitrose. I do confess, I mostly go to Aldi. But in <laughs> the <laughs> yeah, I know the the escalator that goes up. Just as you're reaching the top of the escalator, there's this voice that says, automated voice that says, caution. You are reaching the end of the conveyor. Oh. So, yeah, I always think, 
Ooh, it's a bit doomy. Well, maybe I am. Maybe we all are. In fact, I set that, those words to music once, James, mm. and you'd appreciate it. Well, it's a very James Moran-like idea, I think, to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, you've had five books. You're already planning the, the next one, I know. How is this one different from the others in, 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 in any stylistic respects rather than theme? I, um, I suppose it's a little bit more sombre. It's, I tried to write um, more, you know, um, more serious, a bit upsetting things that I wouldn't have been able to fit in my other feel-good collection, Natural Words. Mm. Um, and it just felt like now that I've concluded this themed collection, maybe I can go on to other things. Um, like, for instance, uh, with my previous ones being about nature and light and homely things, mm. and then before that, politics and poverty and, you know, angst, <laughs> and in the future, about machines and the future and mm. um, mistrust of technology. So I feel like it was a theme I wanted to tackle. Um, mm. Whether I'd, I've done it right or not, um, I'll, I'll leave viewers, readers to decide, but um, I'm glad that I put it out there. Well, I'm, I'm, I don't think there is a doing it right in poetry mm -hmm. uh, you know I always think poetry is something rather like seeing a procession down the street or a, a carnival you join it or you don't and uh, I think right and wrong is one it's one thing that doesn't really apply to poetry at all mm. but um, we're gonna hear some music that you've chosen and after that I want to ask you about local poets mm. and local poetry in Seacroft and East Leeds so uh, introduce, if you would, this track that you've chosen. So this one I recently discovered. It's one of Green Day's older songs uh, called Walking Alone. And uh, for me, it just kind of surmises that feeling of, of angst and um, being miserable about yourself and taking it out on others and realising that just ain't right um, and taking accountability. So, yeah, Walking Alone, Green Day.
So that was Walking Alone by Green Day, uh, chosen by the first of our guests today on Love the Words, James Lewis Moran, talking about his latest poetry collection, his fifth. Um, James, not Beethoven's fifth, but James's <laughs> fifth, um, called Sea Words. So, James, you're, a, you know, you're a Seacroft poet. Mm-hmm. Do you know any other Seacroft poets? Um, there is one in particular, um, although um, they don't really put out books as such. Um, Zoe Carty, um, but you know, she's uh, she, she might be busy with other things to commit to doing poetry collections like I. Um, but you know, she's an extremely talented poet. Probably she's one of the indeed. best. She uh, is, she is. She's a very talented writer and musician as well. Um, and Zoe came up through the Young Writers, through Associate Writers, as you did too. I haven't seen her for a while. Is she all right? Yeah, it's just, you know how it is. The uh, mm. life gets in the way. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, as long as it makes it into her poetry as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there must be other people out there in Seacroft writing Poetry. I mean, and I and when I go into primary schools, for instance, or in the secondary schools occasionally in the East Leeds, um, you know, there are young people mm. writing poetry. They must do adults. I mean, I'm sure they are. They're out there. I'm not sure how to contact them. Any ideas? I'd, I'd say maybe it's just a matter of having the right forum, the right space for it. Um, like we, we mentioned recently on, on Twitter, the idea of having pop-up poetry performances at things like bandstands and shellers. Mm. So maybe organising mm. something like that would work. Um, but I find that whenever there becomes like fun days, um, poets might be intimidated by that, whereas the musician, that's kind of their place to be. Um, big, mm. bombastic performances at food days. <laughs> that's interesting, isn't it? Because I think... Sometimes there's this, uh, people who aren't poets, I think, sometimes assume that, oh, yeah, poets just want a sort of a forum that's a bit like a music forum. But I think musicians and and poets are quite different animals, really. And my experience, anyway, is that musicians are there to perform and they like performing. A lot of poets really don't like that at all. Would you you agree? It probably has a part to play in that. I mean, for me, one of the things I've been trying to figure out is being a poet on the page and being a poet performing is two very different things. You know, the way you would phrase it like a monologue or the way you would use a lot of adjectives, as good poets do. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, and likewise, I I imagine with musicians, they could be a very... um, very quiet person, but when they have the music to play, there's a role, and they kind of have to have that confidence to play it right. So that's interesting. So the music, kind of, you know, your instrument, your voice is a kind of character yeah, mask, if you like. Another, another, yeah, but yes, yeah, it's a sort of it's a prop. It's a performance. It's a it's a character. I tell me about it. As yeah. long, if I've got a guitar in front of me, I'm fine with singing. Take the guitar out of my hands, and there goes my confidence. <laughs> well, when you when you're a poet, really, all you've got is your piece of paper or mm. your book or if some people do, don't even do that they just stand very up which I think I find very exposing a lot of people would find quite yeah. difficult that, that seems yeah. about right that does yeah and I think a lot of a lot of 
writers. I mean, I got into writing because I'm really quite a solitary person, and I've always been quite a shy person, really. Um, <clears throat> was, and I think I think that's true of a lot of writers. Fine, don't worry. The sun's coming through the stained glass, and James is trying to. Uh, <laughs> he's cast, only casting shadows now, uh, but it's yeah, it's a lovely afternoon out there. But yes, yeah, so it's it's. Uh, I think poets and musicians quite different, but yeah, how to get poets who may be writing locally involved in Chapel? We obviously have got our writing group, mm. which is great, and we have some some people coming to that who are local. But there are, again, I think there's a ne- the, the people who are coming maybe, to the writing... uh, Maybe the way to do it is to put out a, a specific tailored advert, Poets Wanted, local Seacroft poets, and yeah. organise like a meeting. Uh, you know, like people do random adverts in newspapers. I was wondering, no, I mean, maybe that's the most... Maybe the direct route is the best way. Mm. Poets Wanted. Yeah. Rather like, you know, cheap shoes. Uh, <laughs> or, or. Poets Wanted, adjectives, stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eccentric clothing. I wonder where we'd put the advert, though, James. That's a good question. I suppose there's only one way to find out. Trial. Trial. Okay. Well, this is enough. This is a thought. I like that idea. The direct approach, not kind of, oh, do you think you're a writer, all that sort of stuff, but just poets wanted. Yeah, yeah. With Lord Kitchener pointing. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> so give us another poem, talking in poets. So uh, this one is uh, inspired by a line that I, I found in, in a poetry collection uh, called The Dog in My Mind. And I thought, that's a good line. I'm going to use that. The Dog in My Mind. The dog in my mind is very loud and often unkind. This one isn't soft, it is rough and will bite any hands it finds. It loves to make noise at the midnight hour. This canine creature keeps my neighbours up. It doesn't know your personal space and it doesn't care for inner peace. The dog in my mind dreams of holding on and will not release its iron grasp. Great stuff. Well, because we're not poetry, please, on Radio 4, we can hear it again. So let's hear that one more time, please. The dog in my mind is very loud and often unkind. This isn't soft, it is rough and will bite any hand it finds. It loves to make noise at the midnight hour. This canine creature keeps my neighbours up. It doesn't know your personal space and it doesn't care for inner peace. The dog in my mind dreams of holding on and will not release its iron grasp. Great stuff. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I think there's a, there's, there's a book by Bulgakov, he's a Russian writer, called My Life as a Dog. Hmm. And it's, I think it's called My Life as a Dog, and it's, and it's written entirely from the point of view of the dog, which is quite an interesting idea. But the dog in the mind, <clears throat> yeah, we all have one of them, sure. I don't think I have a cat in my mind, though. <laughs> Maybe that's all you should write. <laughs> the cat in my mind. The cat in my out. <laughs> yeah, the cat in my mind. Do you know I have? So, yes, I mean, talking of performing, are you doing any of that? Not as much as I would like. Um, I'm very much focusing on decluttering this year. Um, mm. Hobbies that uh, need sorting out. Books that need to be read, Peter. It's been two years. Just read the book. <laughs> and uh, likewise, finding others that are going to help me research my next collection. Um, there's a lot of cyberpunk sci-fi stuff out there. Is that what you read? Well, that's what I'm recently reading. Uh, it became a big obsession during the pandemic years, and um, that's kind of what I'm moving towards with the writing for the next theme collection mechanism. So tell us about that. This is all, you know, using the idea of machines in poetry. Is that mm. right? 
That's right, yeah. Um, originally, the idea was to use um, writings about mechanics, because many years ago I was a mechanics student, and that went nowhere. <laughs> but, uh, you know, instead, from spanners to pens. <laughs> and um, I wanted to write about machines and also mistrust of technology, automation in the workplace, very topical things that are mm. happening. And obviously, uh, I feel like it would be wrong not to write about those themes. Um, and then in the end, I realized that what I'm actually writing about is the future and the future has, um, you know, a duality to it, whether it's a dystopian cyberpunk future um, or perhaps something more hopeful like solarpunk, uh, a future run on renewables and um, just mm. hope. So a lot of lot of things to mess around with that I could possibly explore for the mechanism. It's a, it's a really interesting idea, and I don't think, as I've said to you before, I think, but I don't think uh, there are many... I don't think it's a subject that poetry really explores mm. very much. And I think... Um, the there, was, there was yeah. a few years ago um, a bicycle poetry collection. Yes, I remember Spokes. that. Yes. I think, what yes. was that? Was it Artly Poetry... I think it was, but that was more about the kind of the joy of cycling and all. There wasn't much about the machinery of a bike. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, maybe in the future I'll do a bicycle, skateboard, um, mechanical poetry collection. <laughs> that yeah. that would be an interesting one because I don't think there's many poets that are skateboarders. I think you're right. I think that really is a niche. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's your niche. Could be. Could be. I mean, I mean, I think that I, I love it when people talk or write really convincingly and passionately about stuff that they really, really are, that is their life. And I think, you know, you should write about skateboarding, you should write about machines. All right, six years of it, I've got to have some poetry in that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading that. So where, where can we get hold of your poetry? So uh, my poetry collections are on Amazon and Kindle. Uh, the ebook version is cheaper, and I also get more profit from that. Hint. <laughs> I also have a Facebook page for this and uh, a Twitter page. But yeah, I do more poetry on the Facebook page. The words profit and poetry, I have to say, don't often go together. Yeah, it's true. True. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd rather these be an affordable price than some collections which are like fifteen, twenty pounds, and it's ten poems. Yeah. You know, this is value for money. There's forty-two pieces of poetry in each of these books. I'll be doing fifty for the next one, so yeah, yeah, going up. Yeah. Um, You're dead right. I mean, how much does that work out in terms of price? It's about ten p a poem or something. I, I don't know about that, but printing costs change sometimes with Amazon. But um, yeah, the paperbacks are eight pounds, and the Ebook is five pounds, yeah. so Great. somewhat affordable. Very affordable. James Lewis Moran uh, with C words S E A. We should specify yeah. words. I see what you've done that. C words beginning with C. Courageous, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> we won't list the other possible possible words, but that's great. No, it's a really lovely title, lovely collection, and thanks for ever ever for coming on, James. And it's always a pleasure to have you on. Love the words. And we're going to hear a feature now that. Um, I did really about a project called um, The World Reimagined, as I mentioned earlier in the programme. You'll be told about it by uh, Asher, who's one of the commute coordinators, but also by teachers and children involved. And I went to the launch of The World Imagined down 
at uh, Leeds Central rail, uh, Railway Station where these wonderful globes, about 12 of them, I think, are in the window there. And I really do recommend if you're going down to the station, don't miss them. But I would go to the station specially to see them because they are really beautiful and colourful. One of them, the golden one, is one we'll hear about. That has a little switch and you press it and then you hear the poetry these children created and that's absolutely lovely. So, the world reimagined. Ça commence lundi, lundi tu m'as dit, dit que j'incarne la liberté. Mardi, mardi tu m'as dit, dit il fallait se méfier des hommes qui ne s'attachent jamais. Et mercredi, mercredi, mercredi tu veux que l'on parcourt le monde. Jeudi, jeudi tu m'as yeah, dit. Yeah, so I'm Asher Jail and here I'm the community community coordinator. So the World's Reimagined is an art trail um, across Leeds. The trail starts in Chapel Town, goes through the city centre and ends um, at Meadowlane Garden, um, just next to the Tetley, on the exact exact patch of grass where Yinka Shonabare's Hibiscus Rising will be next year, which is a 10-foot statue to commemorate David Olawale's life. Um, but the World's Reimagined is... Ten Globes um, t- discussing uh, black history and anti-racism. Um, my job has been to engage the community in that programme, so we've had a, a series of community conversations and workshops. We've talked about anti-racism and black history and how to get these topics on the curriculum for kids and how we as adults can do better. Um, now we know better, we have a responsibility to do better. Juste en brisant un tabou T'es dans les fétiches et les marabouts so we are from Farsley Springbank Primary School and I'm Miss Charles, the art lead and these are our children, Eloise Bulmer and Luke Dyson and they're from Year 6 and they help as part of the projects as well Excellent, and you, you've got one of the uh, the globes over there it's beautifully beautifully uh, coloured it's, it's one of the brightest coloured ones there are but how, how was the experience of, of being part of this project for you and the children? Well, it gave us a very good understanding of the history of racism and um, how the transatlantic slave trade has impacted people of African heritage and it helped our school have that understanding and also learn about the culture of Africa and its rich heritage. And were you pleased with what the young people came up with? Oh, it was fantastic, yes. We all had a different topic to work on from reception to year six and everybody created a piece of artwork and then we collaborated all the pieces of art together to go on our globe. Can I just ask you very briefly, so your, your, your name? Uh, Eloise Bulmer. And is any of the artwork that you've done or writing on, on your globe? Uh, yeah, uh, I did a um, portrait of Pablo Fan- Fanky. Yeah. Um, the circus artist? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it was just round the back on the yellow stripe. So how does it feel to see your work on a globe in the front window of the main station in Leeds? Uh, quite exciting, actually, because, uh, <laughs> because a lot of, well, like, quite uh, uh, most of the citizens of Leeds get to come and see um, and see the artwork of our school, and that's quite, uh, that, I find that quite um, uh, f- exciting because... 
Absolutely. It's a wonderful thing, and, and I really like the way you said it was the artwork of your school. So you're seeing it from the point of view of your whole school being represented. Yeah. That's absolutely brilliant. Well, congratulations. So I'm Sharon Percival. I'm the head teacher at Farsley Springbank Primary School. So I think the reason we felt it was really important to be involved in a project like this was to so that we could work to show... Uh, the, our children, sort of the diversity in Leeds, um, because for us we're a very white British school, and we have um, children from different uh, backgrounds and uh, you know different countries, but predominantly white British at our school. So this project allowed us to explore the heritage of, of Africa, African people, and Miss Charles did a brilliant job leading that, and we made the decision that we wanted all the children to be involved, rather than maybe picking a group to do, because schools did it in different ways, um, but for us, we wanted all the children to have those lessons and the learning, um, so that that was the outcome for us, which we're really proud of. Yeah, my name's Linda Dean. I'm the subject leader of art at Coburn School in Beeston, Leeds. And we're here today to celebrate the World Reimagined Project. Um, our globe is one of the many globes that Leeds schools have been involved in for the project. So tell me a bit about how the young people have been involved and what they've done. Uh, so we started uh, the project looking at um, Mother Africa. So we had resources from the World Reimagined. They sent some fantastic resources that we all looked at. And I chose to do it with the whole of Year 7. So they've all, in lessons, have been looking at the history of Africa, the African empires and the richness. Then we moved on to looking at the slave trade um, and obviously the atrocities of the slave trade and just educating students about what happened um, during that period. Um, and then moving forward, looking at the world reimagined was all about racial equality and how the students can imagine a future and a world where racial equality is you know the norm and you know that's you know that's what we were aiming for really and the students wrote uh, poems uh, linking to them themes and they also produced a piece of artwork on the globe so they got imagery around the African empires we've actually printed off the sections and snippets of their poems um, which are on the globe as well so it all kind of came together um, as a final piece of artwork very beautiful. Is that the golden one? That's the golden one, yeah. And uh, the poems are actually also, if you press the button, you can hear the poems uh, through a sound bar that we've inserted into the globe. I'll have to do that in a minute. Yeah. And I'm not just saying this, that I, I'm, I'm not just saying this because it's you, but I did think, I thought, oh, that golden one's really nice. And it's your, glo it's your one. It's your, it's your globe. Can I talk to you first, sir? So could you just say your name? My name is Adrian Ajong Amina. And Adrian, so have you enjoyed working on this project? Well, yeah, it was fun to draw this, um, the pictures and to write the poem. Yes, I mean, are we going to have a chance to hear the poem? Are you reading it? Yeah. Are you going to read it today? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, you must be very proud to have a poem represented. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's OK. <laughs> Good. I can I ask you your name? Uh, my name is Blazer Gwalionan. Fantastic. And have you got a poem here as well? Yes. Lovely. And what, what's... Can we... Maybe we just go over to the globe. Is that all right? Can you just show me on the globe? Are you going to come too? Um, what part of the globe? This wonderful... It's a, yeah, it's, it's a big... It's, I don't know how big it is, but it's about 
five times or six times the size of a football, I should think. It's golden, it's got words on it. I imagine a world full of kindness. I imagine a world without racism. The world reimagined. Very beautiful words. Is any of this your work in particular? Um, some of the writings on it represent my poem, and there's some drawings at the top, which I did in class. God, that must be brilliant to see it on that globe now. Yes. <laughs> Here in the station, so everybody can see it, people walking past. Um, and we, we are going to auction off the big globes, nine out of ten of them at Bowlands in, in London um, in January, and that money will go to creating a grant scheme for uh, artists in the city as soon as next year. That's a totally brilliant idea. Uh, but this is, they're, they're all here, these globes. Yeah. Uh, but the replicas are all over the city, is that what you're saying? Yeah, the yeah. big ones. Well, they're all over the country, actually. We've got ten here, um, nine out of ten which will be auctioned, one which will remain in the city somewhere, painted by our community artist, Rosanna Gammon. And the, um, the, the other ones, the other 90, 91, um, are across different cities, such as Leicester, Bristol, London, Liverpool, um, did I say Bristol, Swansea? I've forgotten. But there's uh, seven cities and ten trails. Mm-hmm. Well, they're absolutely beautiful, so yeah. congratulations. But how long are they going to be there, the globes around the trail? Yes, so um, they will be there until the 31st of October, apart from the community globe, which will remain in the city somewhere. I'm going to work out where that will be. The artist of the community globe is um, a teacher from Lee City College, Rosanna, and an art teacher. And it may well go to the college. Um, the college are very happy, but we haven't finalised that yet. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, I have two pieces here. Let's change our ways, become better people, be united as one and stop the evil. Rise up and show them who we are. Show them how we have come this far. <laughs> the potential of our continent. Our strength is growing stronger. Our souls will live on for longer. My pride is my identity. My battle spirit has a destiny. My vision has been unblocked. My potential has been unlocked. My true colours have been shown. My spirit is as hard as stone. So you're listening to Love the Words here on East Leeds FM in Studio One, one of Chapel FM Art Centre. We've been uh, we've been talking to James Lewis Moran about his new collection, Sea Words, and we just heard a feature about the world reimagined. That exhibition is still on in Leeds as I talk now on uh, whatever it is the. 12th or 11th of October. I think it's until the end of October. But if you wander around Leeds, have a look for those massive great globes, but also go to Leeds Railway Station where are the children's globes and they're in the window. Beautiful things. So, in the second half of Love the Words, we have our second guest, Dalton Harrison, the poet. Hello, Dalton. I, uh, <laughs> I still can't get used to people saying that. I'm like <laughs> grinning every time, like it's a new thing. <laughs> no, well, is it, yeah, how new is it? When it when, okay, take us right back. We've, 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 we've got your book here. I'm, I'm sitting looking at it. It's, it's a really, really interesting piece of work, The Boy Behind the Wall. We're going to hear about that. We're going to hear some work from it. But, yeah, where did this book begin for you? I actually wrote the book in a sort of biography format, which I don't know if it's a bit strange, but um, it started, the book starts before I was born in my parents' poetry. 
So, um, yeah, so I guess that's where it started for me was when I was very young. Um, my parents were writing poetry together as almost like a romantic thing. My dad was sort of writing romantic poets, uh, poems to my mum. And my mum actually had a, a book out in Holland um, where she was where she was born, but she, I could never read those um, because they were all in Dutch, but there were four books that I found when rooting around in her stuff. And I realized how far back, obviously, that was for her and her identity. But I started writing poetry, I think, when I was 11 was the first time I started doing it, and I got a lot of praise for it. And that was the first time I'd ever had praise in my life um, because I was always the bottom sets at school. I was always seen as the one that wasn't gonna get very far in academically. So yeah, it was the first time that positive reinforcement hit me and I was just like, well, I want to do this again. So, and did you? I did continue um, until I probably got into uh, the sort of uh, teenage years where things can often go wrong for people. And I think that's where obviously in the book you can see that, um, yeah, things definitely did go wrong around 15. And, um, and that's when I kind of stopped. I still wrote it in my head. I still had that narrative that I kept inside me, but it, it was uh, never put back onto paper because I couldn't, I couldn't uh, write anymore because, um, yeah, it just was too much. So, yeah, the actual... The, the, when did you begin to write seriously uh, the, the, the work that's ended up in this, in this book now? And what, what prompted you to do that? I think for me, um, my poetry is always about life experience. It's about um, telling a story or your story, but also just showing other people they're not alone because I felt alone for so long uh, in my life. And really for all of my life, I felt alone for different reasons. I think poetry gave me that voice, but um, often enough life gets in the way and sort of stops that voice. But I think seriously, I started writing again in prison and that's where my journey took me. Uh, and that's what gave me my voice back and my power and um and help me um get some of those demons out and trying uh, to live again it's interesting how much poetry is written in prison i think um i was a writer in residence in prison i think as you know um for a for a, a couple of years in one prison particularly and later on in another one and i i just in the young offenders institution and i was just staggered by the amount of people who were writing because of that kind of release that it gave them and also a kind of it was a way of reflecting on your life and your, your, yourself I suppose and finding an identity did you join a writing group in prison or did you just begin I I, um, I just started writing uh, in my cell so you you don't have anything often enough you're stripped of everything and you you go into that little small space and um, you really don't have anything so having that piece of paper is a luxury having a pen is an even more luxury um and uh yeah suddenly having that that power to say right this is mine this is i've created this and having that that process in front of you felt like you were really accomplishing something as well uh, which was good for me at the time did, did you write letters to people in prison oh yeah letters is a is a major thing i think for me that was the first process not necessarily writing poetry but yeah that first letter so I, I've definitely reflected on that a lot in my writing, um, that idea of, um, yeah, that first letter was to my mum um, and, and that was a really, really hard letter to write. Probably the hardest letter I've ever had to write in my life, um, that first letter um, home. But letter writing seems to be a place, sorry, seems to be something that 
happens in prison still, probably because people can't communicate in other ways with the outside world. But it is probably the last redoubt of letter writing in the world, you know, because obviously social media and electronic media have taken over. Be lovely to hear something from the book, Dalton. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, the first poem that I was um, wanting to share with you was um, it's actually um, National um, Coming Out Day today. Yeah. And um, for me, the process of, of uh, me transitioning over my life, you know, I was born female and um, I realised at a young age that, that I wasn't, but it was arguing with people and having people's perceptions put on you. So, yeah, for me, this poem is about coming out, really, and uh, that process of, of fighting that fear that people often put in you and the things that people tell you. So it's called Just Me. I was never meant to be perfect. Hurting, lonely, controlled, forgotten. I was never meant to be me. Born to parts that made me want to rip and cut out my existence like a jigsaw piece. I was never going to be validated. I didn't love myself. All I was lay waiting in the dark of me. Teasing, tortured tones. Prison was already built in me. A prison inside a prison. So what was reality? I was never meant to be perfect. Learnt nothing to teach me otherwise. Time, crime, punishment. I would cry, but I hadn't stopped since I was a child. I was never meant to be me. The cord cut as I was dangling free, but heavy was the load. I landed behind locked doors. I was never meant to be perfect. Hurting, lonely, controlled, forgotten, Till I saw the image, after weeks of no mirrors, I saw the truth, I saw myself, I saw beneath the broken skin, I was never meant to be anything, now it was my time to be my everything. Yeah, fascinating, yeah. James is still with us, did you enjoy that James? In fact, enjoy is the word. (laughs) I I do think um, it's wonderfully written and totally um, projects that experience that you had. I mean, being a prison inside a prison, presumably meaning being a prison inside your body, the body of a female, if you like, within the prison institution, that's that's massive. <laughs> I mean, is that is that all that process of transitioning that began in prison for you, did it? Yeah, I mean, for me, I I tried to as a young as a young child try to to talk to my parents about. I didn't have the vocabulary. I didn't have the knowledge to be able to articulate. What I meant, I just felt that my, my skin didn't fit right. You know, I didn't feel like things were right, but I couldn't place what that was or how I could uh, could tell them because they didn't understand. My mum just told me for years I was a tomboy and, and uh, I would grow out of it. Um, so I hoped that day would come, um, which it never did. No, absolutely. So within... Within within the prison situation, you started writing. Tell us about Standfast Productions. Um, for me, Stanfast started in prison when we uh, we started doing plays. Uh, we originally did it, we were on an enhanced wing, me and a group of my friends, and that you sort of get a little bit more special uh, privileges where you're allowed to move around more. You're not constantly um, locked in behind your cell door. You're allowed to move around the wing. So we we come up with the idea of raising money for a charity which is called Nepax, which is in the north, and they do a lot of work with prisons, uh, prisoners' families. They do a lot of they're the ones that run child days, uh, people that can come in and see their parents, and so they do a lot of things. And we found out that they'd lost funding from the national lottery, and we couldn't believe it because of what they do for people, not just people within prison, but the families, which was the most important to us, the ones that we couldn't help because we were in prison. 
Um, and we tried to raise money. So what we did was we, we started writing plays uh, to perform in front of everybody in the prison and they would pay as much as they could or at least a pound if they could afford it to buy a ticket to come and see it. And it was a pantomime. So the first year we did, uh, it was Jackie and the exercise bike because uh, um, Jack and the Beanstalk was already taken. Um, and also we only had a, uh, an exercise bike from the gym to use, so uh, it worked. But yeah, the next year, um, one of my friends come to me and they said, right, we've got a new play that we're going we're gonna to work with together. And I said, what's it called? And they said, Cinderella. So I thought, hang on a minute, I'm the only transgender male on this wing, so that means I've got the lead. Uh, and they were like, well, you know, we're sure you'll learn the lines. Uh, and they, they w- walked off smirking. So, yeah, that was my idea of suddenly being in the spotlight and feeling that I really loved um, sharing um, things with other people because people were coming to us after the play saying, I've never seen a pantomime before. I didn't even know what it was. Mm. And that baffled me. How could somebody, of everyone that was in the prison was at least 18. Um, you know, how how could they never have seen a pantomime how could they never didn't even know what one was they just went along because everyone else was and i just thought like how can people get to this stage in their life and never be heard never have seen these things and um yeah i wanted to make that difference and that's what stand fast was about community and, and, and making that difference but you still exist now yeah yeah i mean it's um we've still got a group of people um dipping in and out of um some sometimes people do art some people are doing cross stitching everyone does their different platforms it can be poetry one minute but we all do and we come together to tell our story through those different platforms well you've done something here and writing on air haven't you a few years ago which was brilliant really that was a highlight for me of that festival be great if you could do another thing sometime <laughs> because it's always a yeah go on james i, I was just thinking those uh those pantomimes the uh uh cinderfella and uh the exercise was it jackie in the exercise jackie bike in the, the exercise bike. Bike. yeah no those uh if if, if you I, I presume you still have the scripts for these or maybe yeah we do yeah because it'd be, it'd be amazing to have those like an audio drama <laughs> like an audio panto or maybe yeah. you know red uh, to a performance well, actually, upstairs. Interesting you should say that. Tony, uh, our director, did have an idea once mm. to do uh, a kind of radio panto, which I think, you know, this would be a strange I mean, idea because panto is such a visual thing, yeah. but it's kind of... I mean, especially in Seacroft. I mean, how, like you say, how many people would have seen pantos around here? The nearest place that does it is, what, the Grand Theatre, City of Riot is? Yeah. Ways yeah. away. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, what other stuff are you in, involved in, Dawson? I know you've, you've, you know, you've got other, you've got, you're doing your academic life now. Which is, to, tell us about that. At the moment, yeah, I'm, I'm, I finally got into university. It was uh, a dream that I didn't think was for me, but um, yeah, it was that. It was a stage that started in prison. It literally started with the first course, uh, and then I've become addicted to it almost. That um, the first time somebody turned around and said, "Right, you're not all." prisoners you're not all off different wings you're not all your crime and they suddenly said you're a student and each one of you is a student and the minute that teacher said that to me I was like that is the label I want I don't want to be this person that person everything that I've been told I am or or aren't Uh, and I loved it and that's what brought me um, through a long process to to university and um, studying criminology that's where you come from today yes yeah I finished my lecture (laughs) and then straight here yeah did that feel good 
it does feel good. It feels good to be a part of a community that wants to learn, to engage and to, to make a change in the world. Everybody that's probably in my lecture room will either go into the police, social work, lawyers, the, the next generation of, um, of people that are, are uh, combating a system that I was in. And you come from a particular place with that. Presumably that gives you, you know, a whole different perspective in terms of your academic cohort. Yeah, especially the first year when we were talking about um, probation, uh, magistrates, courts, crown court. And I was like, is that supposed to happen? Because I was shocked. I was like, that's not what it says. You know, what the label says isn't what it does. So, yeah, it was quite an eye opening um, experience for me as well, looking at it from the outside. So it's almost like... um, yeah, I'm doing the theory when I've already done the practical. So, yeah. <laughs> Read us something else from the book, if you would. Um, and then we'll probably have to finish sooner, sadly. Or we can, I know we could go on talking. Yeah, so I think I've got this one. It's called Arrived. And I actually wrote it um, in the in the hostel when I when I was released. Um, and it's that idea of trying to escape those, those uh, limitations that, um, and, and things that you think you've moved on from. Release day arrived. Derived from paperwork stamped on by officials I will never know, who tell me I am unsafe until this date to walk amongst the world. Hurdles leaped, deep in bars and steel, lock and key, cuffed, shut in small rooms like tombs, suffocating in silent screams. Nothing but barbed wire glinting, displayed, sentenced, guilty, Release dates arrived. No more denial. Open the doors. You've settled your score. Only I never knew how much barbed wire slices, how much bars trap, that once you're let out, it follows you, warning all others. Look, look. Surrounding in halos freedom, my own self-made prison. Great stuff, Dalton. So where can we get hold of the book? I would suggest to buy it from local because I, I love yeah. local independent bookshops. So the um, the bookish type is my favourite queer bookshop. It houses so many different books from so many different perspectives and um, they do a lot for charity work as well. So um, I would suggest to go there. Uh, it's in the Miriam Centre in Leeds. Uh, it's a fantastic bookshop. Well, it's great to have independent bookshops. It's a really good shout, ah, actually. Upstairs, upstairs in the Marion Centre. It is, exactly, yes. See, it's spot on, local. You know yeah, what? Yeah, people yeah. aren't aware there's a bookstore upstairs. It's very hidden. <laughs> It's an amazing bookshop, yeah. My Fantastic. Favorite. And it's in there, you can buy it there. Yeah, you can, It's called yeah. The Boy Behind the Wall. Yeah. If people wanted to go online and buy it. Yeah, you can buy it online as well. You can buy it from the online, um, bookish typers online as well, but you can also buy it from Amazon, Waterstones, um, most uh, online places stock it. Brilliant. Well, thanks ever so much for coming on, Dalton. And, you know, you're a, both of you are regulars here at Chapel FM, and it's always great to see you. So thanks to James Lewis-Brown for coming on. Thanks for Dal- to Dalton Harrison. And thank you, Elliot, for being on the desk today in lieu of Henry. So uh, we'll be back next week, as ever, on Tuesday afternoon for more Love the Words, and you can catch all... Uh, or most of the 192 uh, Love the Words episodes that there have been in history on the um, on the website, Chapel FM website, but also uh, on Apple. Uh, it's, a, it's a podcast, you can download it. So, that's all from us today. Um, fantastic programmes coming up today, so keep tuned in to East Leeds FM here at Chapel FM Arts Centre. We're going to hear a track now before we go, chosen by Dalton. So, do you remember what it was? Grace. <laughs> 
Yeah, go on, tell us about that. By Rag and Bone Man. So I think it's a reflective piece for me, which is what a lot of the book is now that I've uh, moved on in my journey. So this was a very dark time for me uh, just before I went into prison. Uh, And um, yeah, it reflects how far I've come. And I often listen to it to remind myself on the bad days. So yeah, it's one of those songs. Said I loved you without hesitation. So easy for you to break my foolish heart. And now I wonder if you ever speak my name. Will I always be defined by my mistakes? In the eyes of We all trying to find our way At the death of every darkness There's a morning Though we all try We all try We're all one step from grace I made myself believe and there was no fight left in me But redemption doesn't fall down at your feet In the half-life, you raise the hand to my defeat And I watch the walls fall And I rebuild It's always within me. 